Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome TTB community. I'm Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the judicious Robert Domena. Judicious. What does that mean exactly? Is... Judicious. Wow, that's hard for me to say. It simply <laughs> means discreet. You are, you're calculated. And... Okay. Okay. Fair. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. I, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And I mean, we, we assume that it was probably abnormal due to the coronavirus pandemic. Before we get into the podcast today, we want to give you a brief rundown of what we have going on behind the scenes. So as always, you can subscribe to our cheat sheet to get information on up and coming guests, current guests, and things that we have going on like product availability and production of those products. Right now, you can pre-order exclusively brand new the travel tutorials that Elliot and I have spent countless hours working on. They are pretty awesome. They run you through different ways you can book travel, book airfare, understand the, the navigation of cities, social norms, safety concerns, everything. Elliot created little digital versions, like animated versions of myself and 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 himself. And so you can follow along with, with animated Bob and Elliot and run It's quite you. fun. It, it, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So check those out. Those are available for pre-order right now. At a discounted rate, correct, Elliot? Yep, 25 bucks. So $25 for five courses. They're about 10 to 15 minutes each. Yep. And and we're going to do that now. We're going to run it for $25 now. The price will go up, but because you're a listener, you can get that deal right now. We're not going to promote that anywhere else. So the only people who are going to have this deal are you, our listeners. And so thank you for being a listener. In addition to that, we can do consulting services. We can help you plan your trip. We can create a full, very detailed itinerary. And now, brand new to the site, we can help you get discounted airfare. So we're guaranteeing you $200 off of the average price of a ticket to wherever it is you go in the world. So check that out. And if you want some help, we're going to do it for $65 and we'll save you $200. So if you're interested, be sure to check that out. The Travel Around Table series, if you're listening to this and you are yourself a travel influencer, author, digital nomad, someone who's just active in the travel world in any way, and you want to join us on an up-and-coming podcast episode, please reach out to us via email through the Travel Around Table tab on our website. Send us your information, your name, your website, whatever it is, some topics that you're interested in, and we'll add you to that list of growing guests for Travel Around Table episodes. And lastly, real quick. The best way to support our podcast is simply by sharing it, liking it, discussing it, engaging with it, and leaving reviews. Very easy to do. We appreciate it so much, and you really have no idea how much it helps our show grow. So that's it for me and the, the, the self-promotion. Elliot, why don't you tell us what we have in today's episode? Well, seeing as we are still in the midst of this global pandemic, we're going to be talking about how COVID-19 is surging even more than it was in the beginning but how we as Americans can still travel to 75 countries. We'll give you an update on the vaccines, um, what the top players are, and where or when we expect rollout to occur. Our third article will go into Iceland and how it's reopening to tourists, but with a caveat, and we'll discuss that then. And then we'll talk about Indonesia and how they are proposing a alcohol ban, which includes Bali. Yeah. yeah sorry, Australians. 
And another article we'll get into is how Arkansas will give you $10,000 and a mountain bike to move there. And then we'll discuss some of the digital nomads that have tried to take advantage of the COVID-19 situation and have lived and worked abroad. All right, let's get into the first article, Bob. So, yeah, I I, I wanted to, I don't, I don't want to say avoid COVID-19, but it's just so overwhelming. You can't it's omnipresent. Read. Yes. And unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about it today because travel, I don't think you can really discuss travel at all without considering COVID-19. This first one I found pretty interesting. So as COVID-19 surges globally within the United States, <clears throat> you can actually still travel to 75 countries around the planet. Now, I'm not going to run through the list of 75 countries. But something I did want to bring up is just the different methods these countries are using to continue to allow travel. Some are requiring you to take a test before you leave within either 48 hours to one week of departure. Some are still requiring you to, to quarantine upon arrival. Some, so for example, to journey to the beaches of St. Vincent or, and the Grenadines, you'll need a negative test five days before traveling another negative test upon arrival, and a resort-based quarantine until you pass another test on day five of your stay. And so there are a lot of different ways. If you want to know uh, a more detailed breakdown of which countries actually allow you to travel there, we're going to have the link in our show notes. This is a National Geographic article, so they give you some good, good information on that. And there are actually a few countries that are requiring no test. <laughs> so all you need to do is get a, a fever check and fill out a form. And sometimes they'll make you do a rapid test for randomly selected passengers. But other than that, they are just letting you in. And these countries are, I don't think necessarily at the top of people's bucket list. So Albania, Belarus, <laughs> which is currently undergoing a civil war or I don't know if you want to call it that, but it's very severe. Violence. Strife. Riots. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, you, if you want to go to Belarus, you are you can with very easy restrictions or actually no restrictions. But yeah, I, I found the article to be interesting. What I did find interesting was that there are all these different methods that countries are trying to or attempting to continue to allow tourism and just to make some money yeah it seems like they're allowing people in no matter what the cost is and i want to do i want to put a little psa in here that it seems like the best way to get us to travel get us back to traveling regularly is to pretty much just stay at home for now quarantine wear masks social distance and don't try to i mean even if you want to travel right now is it really going to be that enjoyable you're going to be constantly That's... thinking about stuff stuff is going to be closed Right. That's where I am, right? So so I want to travel so bad. I, I know you do too, but imagine getting somewhere and spending the money to get there, going through the logistics of going to the airport, having to deal with that, providing tests, getting your fever checked. So many hoops. Doing the whole process. And then you get somewhere, you get to Rome, you get to Bangkok, and everything's closed. The restaurants you planned on visiting are closed. The indoor museums that you wanted to see are closed, or they're limiting occupancy, and so you can't get a ticket. There's just too many unknowns. So that's one factor of visiting these countries and, and trying to travel during this. The other is, what if you're in Bangkok for two weeks? You're in Thailand, you're somewhere, and you suddenly start to feel sick. And you test positive for coronavirus in Bangkok, Thailand. Now you're stuck in Bangkok, Thailand, dealing with coronavirus. 
And with the spectrum of symptoms and how people are dealing with it, who knows how long you'll be in that hospital. You might be asymptomatic. You might be out in a few days or whatever it is once you test negative, or you might, it might hit you hard. You, you might not know that you're going to be hit hard by this virus, and now you're stuck quarantined in a foreign hospital with doctors that don't speak English or very limited English. Like, there's too many unknowns. And too many. obviously, we're not here to tell you what to do or what not to do, but... We're just giving you our recommendation. Correct. Correct. Yeah. But on the light side of this, there are over, and this gets into our next article. So there are over 700 companies working on a vaccine for the coronavirus. 700. Wow. And there are about 23 that have really positive results thus far and are considered the top runners. And we're going to go into the top four vaccine candidates, which are Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and AstraZeneca. So these have all come out this month with efficacy rates and discussed a little bit about their studies and showed the data of their trials. So Moderna is a near 95% efficacy, which is phenomenal. It's great news. Pfizer, similar, 95% efficacy. Now, the difference between... Pfizer and Moderna is that Pfizer has to, the vaccine has to be kept at minus 70 degrees Celsius, which is colder than the South Pole in winter. Think about distribution of that. It's going to be difficult. But Moderna, on the other hand, is only minus 20 degrees Celsius, which is about equivalent to your freezer. Much easier to distribute and hand out. And then Johnson & Johnson's study showed that it had 99% de- 99% of its candidates had developed antibodies to the virus. So these results are becoming more and more positive the more we learn about it. Even with the short turnaround and the accelerated rate of development and testing. So AstraZeneca's showed that it had 70% of efficacy But their study was a little different, and you'll have to dig into the data of that onto why their average is a little bit lower than the others. But the rollout of this, we're expected to see the first vaccines come out in mid-December. And this is only going to be going to, you know, essential workers, hospital personnel, people that really need it and that are most susceptible to getting it. And then by the end of April... That's when we're expected to see the first rollout and distribution to the general public, which is kind of big. Yeah, it's great news. So my wife, who works at a hospital in Philadelphia, was already informed that she will have the opportunity to get the vaccine in mid-December. And I'm, a, I'm of the opinion that while these vaccines are accelerated, I have looked into the data more and more, looked into the trials, and while the government did provide some additional, you know, or removed some additional red tape, to allow these trials to occur faster, the the companies themselves would not allow something that would be detrimental to society. The people producing this vaccine are going to be one of the first people to take it. They're they're completely comfortable and confident in their products. Yeah, I I, I mean I'll be the first in line. I have no issue with it at all. And but however, you know it. Mistakes happen. <laughs> they do happen. But that being said, I'm willing to. I, I can't wait to get it. I, I just want to go back to normal. And I'm going to assume that the paperwork to that acknowledges you receive the vaccine is probably going to be a very important piece of paperwork when you want to travel once yes. it is rolled out. And I think that's where I don't know how it'll actually go about. But yeah, I assume that that uh, confirming you had the vaccine will 
get you to places much faster. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, all right. Is that, I think that's it for COVID-19 for now. For now. It'll, prob- it'll probably come back up. But let's move on to Iceland. So Iceland is trying something new. They want tourists back to the country. They they had a dip. And I know tourism there is huge. I think – I don't remember the numbers. So I'm just might, – I might be spewing something completely false. But they have a population of like 400,000. Does that sound right? That sounds right. It's very small. But and I know most of the – their tourist population it's like four times that. Yeah, throughout the Something year, not not at any given time. Correct, correct. Yeah, so they're suffering a bit. They, you know, as it relates to those dollars, they've they've taken the opportunity to invest twelve million dollars in infrastructure. So when tourists do come back, it'll be easier than it ever has been to navigate the beautiful country of Iceland. Now, if you want to travel to Iceland for an extended stay, and we actually didn't define what extended stay means, but If you want to stay there for an extended period of time, more than a typical vacation, you're going to be required that you make at least $88,000 per year with your company or whether you're self-employed in your home nation. So whether you're from somewhere in the EU or you are uh, living in the United States or Canada, you need to provide proof of of your occupation, your salary, and health insurance. Yeah. And- it's it really is. interesting. It's basically saying, no, we don't want squatters. We want people that are going to boost our economy. Right. Spend money at the restaurants, spend money on Airbnbs, and just, yeah, put money back into the economy. If you're coming there as a budget traveler, they don't want you. They, yeah. they want people who are going to spend money there. And it's an interesting way to deal with tourism. You know, that country gets a lot of tourists. And so they could probably afford to lose a few. And mm-hmm. especially now, if they're going to increase the salary of the tourists still out in that's it's it's pretty interesting i mean yeah. that's a country confident in its tourism infrastructure right so like they- to, to break it down <laughs> the population of iceland uh in 2019 was 356,000 so you're pretty dead on there wow i, I and in 20 <laughs> 2018 there were 2.3 million tourists throughout the year how many 2.3 million 2.3 million throughout the year and they throughout have a the population year. of 350 yeah, so it's six times the amount of its residents. Wow. That's a lot of money. It is. It is a lot of money. And yeah, that, good for them. I'm curious to see how this goes. Something that I would consider, though, I'm not a budget traveler, I, you know, compared to what we've had, the people we've had on our podcast. And I'm definitely not a luxury traveler either. I kind of fall somewhere right in the middle. And I'm, I now need to consider when I'll go to Iceland because if they're just going to continue on this trajectory where they're going to entice people uh, with more money to go there and they're going to increase prices, this country is already very expensive. Very. You need to, yeah, extremely expensive. And so this is a country that you now need to consider when and how you're going to go there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Something to look into. Well, moving on to a different island nation. Indonesia is proposing a complete alcohol prohibition in their country and as we mentioned in the intro that includes bali which is basically the cancun for australia right yeah this is what doesn't make sense to me because if you who would go to cancun if you can't go to drink like that's that's like 80 percent of the reason people go to cancun specifically it's a spring break party destination and and bali is notorious for being the destination for australians as soon as they get out of high school that's kind of their 
their uh, coming of age to being a traveler. And so they go to Bali, which is pretty close, and they party. And that's kind of like where they figure out who they are, I guess, or, or take that first jump to traveling and trying a new nation. No more alcohol. Yeah. So the reason for this is that uh, Indonesia has a large Muslim population and the traditional Muslim culture does not allow drinking. But that being said, it is a small party and the article kind of talks about the fact that this likely will not happen. There will be a lot of pushback and it won't get passed. It, it would be it would be tourism suicide. It would, yes. it would there would be they would have to have for this to get put into place and actually become a reality. The the party proposing it should be able to provide documentation on how they plan on supplementing that income. And until they do that, I mean, how can you just eliminate that from your GDP? So yeah. kind of seems a little odd that then now that doesn't I don't know how much they've considered it. I don't know if it's one of those things where they're just acting on emotion and based on their religion. So Yeah. But remember, uh, it, it did not work in the United States. And we've actually regressed in terms of our war on drugs. Prohibition right. is no longer a thing, and more and more states are legalizing marijuana. And Oregon has even decriminalized the possession of hard drugs. Yeah, the the war on drugs in the United States was an utter failure. And it, it what it did was it created a criminal enterprise. Like, we just shuffled money into the Mexican... Prison system. <laughs> drug cartel. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just, it was so stupid. And and now we're, we're kind of pulling back on that. But. So Bali... If you are selling alcohol, you could get 10 years in prison. If you consume alcohol, you could get three years. So selling alcohol it puts you in prison for how long? 10, Ten years. years. 10 years. Whoa. Yeah. And just Whoa. drinking it could be three. Wow. Yeah. No. This would be dumb. Please don't do this, Bali. So, Not that I've ever been there, but I would like to go and maybe have a few, go to a few parties and... Yeah, buy it a little bit. I would love to go there. Yeah, and and for sure. I mean, that entire area, Philippines, Indonesia. I would love to explore that area at some point in my future. So. Yeah. All right. Coming back to the United States, Arkansas, and it's an interesting state. There's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot going on. Uh, it has it has its own reputation, but right now they're attracting new residents with ten thousand dollars and a bicycle. You get to pick. If you want a mountain bike or do you want a road bike. They have, it's the northwestern portion or northwestern region of Arkansas, and they have 162 miles of paved roads, 322 miles of mountain biking trails. It's a beautiful place yeah. in near, this country. It, and it's near the Ozarks, right? Uh, I thought Ozarks are northeast. I know they're along the northern northern boundary. I don't know exactly where. But the point is, they want to they bring people to the region, and... They're banking on this new world, this new post or current COVID world of people being able to work from home. And so, again, we've touched on this before, but if you're living in New York and you're making a New York City salary or you're living in L.A. or any major city and you now have the option to work from home for the foreseeable future, you can now take your salary and move to Arkansas and then get $10,000 on top of that. And it doesn't even need to be permanent. I, I would look into the terms. I don't know how long you actually have to stay there to to get the $10,000, right, right. <laughs> but you don't need to say that for the rest of your life. And I think it's something to consider. If I had different circumstances surrounding my life, I would consider it, um, trying it. And I would you, too. If you enjoy the outdoors and you want to be in some peace and quiet away from other human beings, which you essentially kind of have to do anyway right now, might not be a bad idea. Yeah. 
we've seen other states do this like Maine or Vermont where they've tried to let people come in and are expecting them to work from home, work remotely by paying them a certain sum of money and maybe even supplementing their housing costs just to have additional tax base and increase their population. Right. Yeah, I find it to be pretty interesting. I I think the the middle of the country is going to see an influx of people. I mean, I I think already the suburbs are booming, right? And that's nationwide. We have a booming suburbs, a, a transition of people leaving the cities. And this is something that has happened with every pandemic in in, you know, human history, I guess. Or until the suburbs were created. Right. So we saw this during the the bubonic plague and the Spanish flu. People essentially leave the city. They let the pandemic ride its, you know, run its course on on people (laughs) and then they move back into the city once it's safe again because people genuinely like the cities they're great so we are in an era of human history we're living through it where people are going to flock away from the cities i think i think cities are going to be uh not what they were for maybe five years or so yeah it'll be interesting to see because i don't think suburbs can sustain the amount of people that are moving there Right. It's going to put a strain on traffic. It's going to put a strain on, you know, climate change with the additional carbon footprint of traveling to and from. It's just more spread out. Cities, well, cities are the most efficient form of life, of living for humans. The real estate is, you can't, uh, places are going for above their asking price right now. Everywhere. Suburban homes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we may discuss this next month, but e-bikes are becoming really popular. There have been more e-bike sales this year than electric cars, which is unreal. And they're, they've got, you know, a 50-mile range, and they you can either pedal with them or you can just let them ride. And it's going to be really popular for commuting. We may even see bike boulevards that are solely designated for biking that are going to be allow e-bike commuters to get to a city from the suburbs. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, this past summer, my entire town, they redid the biking paths. They painted them green. And so right outside of my own development is our biking paths. That's great. Yeah, they repurposed the shoulders of of all the roads near me. And they essentially allowed multiple towns to connect via bike. That's awesome. Via bike path. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So our last article is talking again about the coronavirus, but more about the digital nomads that took advantage of the coronavirus So a lot of people thought that I have to work from home, so I'm going to travel abroad and I'm going to work remotely from a country of my choosing, and I'm going to get to enjoy that country. But the reality of what happened is that it ended up being the worst of both worlds. So before COVID-19, digital nomads, uh, you know, would have like this work vacation hybrid where they would work during the day and then they would enjoy the city or country they were in in the evening. Now, you're basically just working all the time because that's the only thing you can do. And you're stuck in your hotel or you're stuck in whatever Airbnb or lodging or VRBO and you can't leave. Nothing's open. You either have to stay at the resort and sit poolside. You can't go to the beach. And these digital nomads are just suffering because even if they wanted to come home, some of them have now been stranded there. One guy started the pandemic digital nomad lifestyle with his girlfriend and then a month or two months in they decided to break up and he was there alone and it took a while for her to leave and it just was not the the uh work vacation that he expected that's awkward 
Yeah. Uh, well, something that I want people to consider if you're if you're considering becoming a digital nomad right now is to pick your or choose your location wisely. And and well, and I guess we should we should define like digital nomad kind of implies that you're traveling throughout your or just continuously. You might you might show up to a location, hang out there for a bit, and then continue on your way, and that sort of defines the nomadic lifestyle. Location independence is slightly different. That allows you to work from anywhere in the world. And if you're considering being a a lo- or living in a location an independent lifestyle, you may want to choose the location itself wisely. Now, now is not the time to be location independent in Rome, although you might be able to work there with a job in the United States. It's going to be hard to enjoy the Rome right now. It's just, it's just, you know, non-existent. Yeah. But you could, rather than go to Rome, go to the Dolomites, and you could get a cabin up there, and you can make your American salary, and you could walk out of your front door into the beautiful Swiss Alps next to a pristine lake, and you could live that lifestyle, and you could still enjoy the perks of not being wherever you don't want to be, <laughs> and being wherever you do want to be in a new country with a new yeah. environment and a new landscape. Basically, what Bob is saying is that you're going to be moving and you're going to find, so get rid of your house, get rid of your apartment and choose a place to live that you expect to be for at least a year and be able to get groceries, be able to do some of the stuff that you would normally do where you are now, but have outdoor activities like hiking the Italian Dolomites. Yeah. And yeah, just choose your location. I, I think outdoors, focus on outdoors. If you're going to stay in the United States, focus on national parks instead of, you know, the, the major cities. Or the Ozarks. Go to the Ozarks, go to Northwest or uh, Arkansas. But yeah. yeah, just realize what's going on. One other thing I do want to add, Elliot, that I find interesting, and we could talk about this next week. In about two weeks, Airbnb is going public. Oh, with their IPO. Correct. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any opinion on that? I know you're a big investor and... I think I think people are going to jump on it. I think Airbnb's got a lot of room for growth still. Um, right. yeah. I think one of our travel roundtable discussions, though, is going to be Airbnb's impact on local communities. Right. Yeah. Because there, it is a hot topic item in many municipalities across the country right now and how it affects locals living there and the perception of it and how it either increases or decreases the value of a home. Right. Yeah, some people love good... it. Some people hate it. Right. Yep. Um investment strategy though i think it's a i i like it i'm gonna i think it's a win but yeah as as my investment strategy is i always wait at least three months after an ipo yes i agree with you there yeah so that was a little bit of our side podcast the bob and elliot talk stocks (laughs) i don't know if we have the time to start a podcast on (laughs) another podcast you can barely keep this one afloat (laughs) no but Let's discuss what we have going on this month. So a topic near and dear to my heart, and I was a little giddy when we got him on, Larry Burns, who is or was the General Motors head of research and development for a long time up until about 2007 or 2008. And now he is an advisor for Google's autonomous vehicle program. And we discuss how autonomous vehicles are going to change travel. And it is going to be incredible and it's going to be completely different in 50 years Mm -hmm. it's going to be amazing um our second guest is nick hines and we're going to be talking about the great american wine trip and we'll be discussing coffee it's going to be very exciting also topics near and dear to my heart 
and then the we're changing it up a little bit with the travel around table discussions we are going to be shifting them rather than the last friday of each month we're going to put them into our regularly scheduled episodes and they will be the last monday of each month essentially right before the travel bites episode and this month's travel around table is going to be on social media and is it killing travel and with that our panel included several travel influencers it was a very interesting discussion as we have always chosen for these travel around table discussions yeah that was a good one so okay well thank you for listening if you want to support us in i guess the best way possible you can do so through our patreon for one dollar a month or less than one cup of coffee per month you can contribute to this podcast in a very significant way any sort of donation to the podcast goes directly to uh, our software programs and just increasing the quality of the show. If you decide to do that, you can see what you get for your contribution on our Patreon page, and you can find the link to our Patreon page in the show notes to every single podcast and through our website. If you'd like to support us in a non-financial way, the best way you can do that is by leaving a review on iTunes and then just simply by following us on social media and liking and sharing our posts, that these these social media algorithms are brutal to up and coming podcasts or up and coming pages. They really like to showcase the corporate pages or the pages that make them a lot of money through sponsorships. So yeah, we're the little guys here. Yeah, we're the little guy. Yeah, so they'll continue to push those pages. And if you're not making them money through advertisements, they really don't help you out. And the only way to break through that barrier is to get enough engagement to where they can't ignore your page. And then they push you up. They push you up more. So engagement is key to growing on social media. And you just sharing and, and liking this is really just the only way we'll grow. So, you know, consider it, please, if you like, our, if you like listening to us ramble. So <laughs> thank you for tuning into this podcast. We do appreciate you. And we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And we will talk to you, I guess, after the travel. The travel, the next Travel Bites will be after Christmas. So have a Merry Christmas if that's your thing. Yes. Stay safe, stay healthy, and tune in next week. 